All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia. Thanks, everyone, for joining me for another episode. Of course, we did not have a post-game show because, quite obviously, the bills were off. It was a bye week. I hope you all enjoyed it. But what we did get over the weekend was our first little, well, not little, a big jump into the trade deadline around the NFL A name that many Bills fans were wondering, you know, could the Bills be into this? Could they be players for this? Christian McCaffrey went to the 49ers. They gave them a second, a third, and a fourth. It uh, was a big trade package for McCaffrey, who is signed this year and the next few years um, to where uh, where they can have, the 49ers can have him be, their star runner for the foreseeable future. Um, The Bills were poking around. Uh, It didn't sound like it was anything substantial to the point in which the the 49ers were invested in bringing him in with that type of trade compensation. But it is at the very least interesting for the topic of today's show because today I'm recording this on... uh, the evening of October 25th. And by the time one week rolls past, it will be the trade deadline, which is Wednesday, November, or I'm sorry, Tuesday, November 1st at 4 p.m. Eastern. And so that's why this is now the time where we can start to look at, okay, how is this market crystallizing? Who potentially could be out there? What would the bills be into? Uh, and what could they be targeting and at what level, and really what would they be willing to uh, to give up to get there, I think is is the biggest part of it. So we'll kind of go a little bit all over the place. I wanted to take a look at it because there was a really cool piece over at The Athletic called the NFL Trade Deadline Picks for All 32 Teams, which basically had each one of our writers who cover a specific team pick out a player on the roster of the team that they cover as to who could be like the the best possible trade candidate or the most likely trade candidate for uh, for this upcoming deadline. So I would encourage you to go check that out. But spurring off of that, there are some really interesting names on there. So I wanted to go a little bit by position and throw out some names that I think could be compelled, um, that the Bills could be compelled by, especially when this Super Bowl window is as wide open as it is right now for them. But before we get into all of that, let's dive into this Christian McCaffrey stuff because I that that was the guy to me that I'm like, okay, it checks a lot of boxes for what Brandon Bean is, is looking for. Um, gives you that explosive offensive playmaker that um, out of the backfield that they just haven't had since Josh Allen has been around. You know, Devin Singletary has been solid he's been consistent uh borderline good but if they could have added a great element that combines both the running between the tackles and the pass catching all into one package that would have given this offense just an absurd uh amount of talent going around um but it all comes down to the cost of doing business you know, while yes, it's great that his base salary was was way low this year. They converted all of it um, into 
the into future seasons to prorate it so that way his base salary would be down to around a million dollars which is how the bills could have afforded it but what happens past this year um that's that was one of the the bigger concerns when you have some pretty key veterans that I talked about on the last episode like Tremaine Edmonds and Jordan Poyer that was one of our conversations right like we it, it might come down to a one or the other situation. And if you bring in a McCaffrey, it could become a neither situation. So it really depends on what they would try, what they would want to do most there, whether it's a, um, they value the offense and running back and, and dive deep into that. Or is it a, okay, the defense has always been great. Let's let's keep this going rather than trying to turn over a bunch of different positions all at once. So that was one of the the biggest detriments before the cost of the trade actually came up. But by all means, it if they could have gotten him for say a second, a fourth, and I don't know, like Zach Moss or James Cook. I'd probably do that for a guy like Christian McCaffrey, um, just based on what he could be in in this specific year. It's a big swing, but if there's ever a year to do it, like I like I talked about in the last episode, it's that it's that type of big swing. But the way that it that it really came down to where it was a second, third, and fourth, I think that was a little bit too much of a bitter pill to swallow for Bean, especially when he would have to do some maneuvering with the cap. So the whole notion of trading multiple assets for the one he wasn't necessarily on board with, I would have thought about it maybe more than the Bills did just based on what he could be in this offense. But be it as it may, uh, Bean has some very, um, I guess... He's he's got some parameters of how he wants to work, and and he learned a lesson in 2017 at the deadline by acquiring Kelvin Benjamin, not to get too emotional and get in over his head and and go for things that you know maybe doesn't make sense down the line or maybe holding on to your prior uh, feelings about the player. Like, let's not forget Bean was someone that helped. Uh, that had a hand in or was on staff of the Panthers team that drafted McCaffrey. He saw McCaffrey become this insane superstar in the NFL. And he knew what McCaffrey was capable of, but McCaffrey also has a, a bunch of miles on the tires, has some injury history over the past couple of, of years, some soft tissue stuff. So maybe that was an opportunity for Bean to go, okay, I'll be interested, but I'm not going to go overboard just because I know this guy. So I respect that to a certain degree. Like, I, I get it. But that also could wind up being an opportunity missed because McCaffrey was the perfect encapsulation of everything that they were hoping to get out of the running back position and or that they want out of one package. Like, We've seen now that Devin Singletary has become their their main guy, just like he did at the end of last season. James Cook 
you know, based on the action of making him active and making Zach Moss inactive is now ahead of Zach Moss, but still really not getting a bunch of time out there. McCaffrey would have been just that little bit of, of everything that you would want and that you could put him on the field for like 80, 85% of snaps. He is the guy that teams always have to account for a menace um, running routes, uh, you know, whether he's out of the backfield or split out wide, like th- this guy would have been taking this offense to another level. So I guess we'll see how the McCaffrey impact in San Francisco helps them and maybe what could have been from a Buffalo perspective. So, you know, the cost might have been a bit too heavy for Bean's taste, but I I do wonder if he'll always think or maybe regret if McCaffrey goes on to do great things uh, at the end of the season and, and into the playoffs and is one of the big reasons that the 49ers make a run. Now, the 49ers need to figure their stuff out because, you know, they are, what are they, three and four now? And they uh, certainly need... Um, to stack some wins, still 10 games to go, lots of time. They're in a division that is very much for the taking. They're only a game out uh, of first place Seattle of all teams. So the 49ers, they have time to figure that out. I just kind of wonder if the Bills will, if they don't do anything at the deadline in a year like this one, where it's very clear that they are dominant both offensively and defensively. I kind of wonder if if they'll, or if Bean will be like, God, I, sh- I should have just ponied up and and given what was needed for uh, for McCaffrey. Not a first rounder because of course McCaffrey didn't get traded for a first rounder, but the second, third, and fourth round pick. Whether you shape that as a second and a fourth or and a player that was drafted in that round, like like I said, a James Cook. Or if it's just a flat second, third, fourth, you know, you just just kind of have to wonder if that will linger in his brain. But they still have time to rectify that because there is a week to go before the deadline comes up. And on Wednesday, we uh, I, I had the uh, I had my most recent article about the trade trade deadline from a Bills perspective posted, and it really brought into that article that I brought up earlier, the NFL trade deadline picks for all 32 teams. When you scan that list, you say, okay, here who here is who might be in a position to get dealt if things continue to go a certain way for these franchises, and even like the upper tier teams. There's there's some interesting names out there. So we'll get into some names that I brought up um, in my article over at The Athletic, which you can find and subscribe by going to theathletic.com slash thebuffalobeat. But I wanted to first take a look at like positions and where they could target. And I, I guess the obvious place we have to start is running back because the Bills gave us an action in the fact that they were sniffing around McCaffrey. So when you are big game hunting, like the Bills were, and being even interested in acquiring McCaffrey, that becomes a signal that 
you know, maybe they would they would consider some other options. Devin Singletary, like I pointed out, he's he's solid to good. They know they can trust him. He's going to get a ton of snaps as long as he's uh, he's healthy and he's the top guy. And they know they know what they're getting. But they are, they have also tried to replace him for three straight off seasons with, or maybe not replace him, but get someone that could be an improvement while still using him a little bit. And they have been unsuccessful all three times. You know, Zach Moss never really recovered from his uh, his foot injury in, in the playoffs and had surgery. Last year was kind of a lost year for him. This year, again, a healthy scratch. It's not going well for Zach Moss right now. And then James Cook, who is struggling to stay on the field. He's getting some opportunities, but they're very few and far between. I just don't know if if that's the guy. And then, you know, they were reportedly interested in Travis Etienne a, a couple of years ago, a couple drafts ago. That would have been an option for them uh, if they had traded out of the first round. I think Brees Hall would have been an option for them. Um, so there is a lot of different uh, elements to what they were trying to do with the running back position over the last three years as to why this could be a spot where they're looking to add. But I also don't think they're going to make a move at running back just to make a move. Like there's some, there's some names out there that would really benefit from a change of scenery. And what I'm thinking of is, is cam acres. Are you bringing in cam acres to be your starter? Probably not. If you're bringing him in, are you then cutting Zach Moss? I still think that they believe in those three guys that they have. And we'll really focus on the um, the two depth options behind Singletary, which are Cook and Moss. I, I do think that they believe in them. And I don't think that's that's just lip service from, from what they say. But I also know that they believe that they can get better at the running back spot. But is Cam Akers really going to be that guy? I just, I'm I'm a little skeptical on that, especially with him coming off torn Achilles. Uh, hasn't looked great since he's come back from that injury, especially uh, late last year. And just kind of things have kind of fallen out of favor in LA. I don't know. I just don't know that the Bills would want to add that to, to their room. It just doesn't feel like the right, sort of move that they would want to make at the running back position. I'm of the belief that if they want one, then they should swing big, which is McCaffrey, which as we know, didn't, didn't go their way. But when there are some other potential opportunities out there, I think it starts to become more of a conversation. And there's one name in particular that, that really just, that, that's remaining out there, that's kind of interesting to me. You know, I know a lot of people bring up Saquon Barkley, but the cost of his contract this year, I'm going to get the numbers just so I have them right, but it is a pretty massive cap hit for what they would have to take on 
compared to what they have right now. They could do it if they wanted to, but you know, it's it's going to be around that that six million mark through the rest of the season, and they could clear space if they want to. He's a free agent at the end of the year, everything like that. But you also have to figure out, okay, why are the why would the Giants trade him right now if they're six and one, and they've got the entire Giants fan base feeling reinvigorated, and Barkley is this marquee guy. I just don't think Joe Shane, their GM, is going to do that. And I don't think Brian Dable would would want them to sign off on that. Not when they're just... These are such critical times for the Giants to where they are constantly believing in themselves, even though their talent is is not all that great. And they continue to win close game situations, which are oftentimes pretty random. But I don't think that they'll want to move on from Barkley right now, especially when... They're six and one, and things would have to go south in a big way for them to miss the playoffs. Weirder things have happened, but I don't know that they're in the position to do it. So it's not Barkley to me. The guy that keeps jumbling around my brain is Josh Jacobs from the Raiders. And I know he's not. Like he's not the same thing as McCaffrey. He's more of a between the tackles guy. Um, but I think what he did prove last year with a 54 catch season is that he can be a pass catcher in an offense. You know, we we don't see the um, we don't see the I guess the designed plays, the designed passing plays to running backs really all that much within the Bills scheme. So I don't know that they would necessarily be losing a ton of potential by acquiring a guy like Josh Jacobs. But I think what they would be gaining is just this ferocious in-between-the-tackles runner that is essentially playing with his hair on fire right now. By all means, he's been one of the the best backs in the league over the last month of the season. And there's a few other parts of this. If the Raiders wind up losing to the Saints this coming weekend, they're going to be 2-5. and Josh Jacobs, they declined his fifth-year option. He's a free agent at the end of the year. And the only way that they are, if if they are intent on not re-signing him, the only way that they are getting anything for him um, through him leaving via free agency would be if they don't cancel out their, the potential compensatory pick for him and they have to believe that he'll get paid on the open market. So what they could decide to do is trade Jacobs this year, get an immediate draft asset, probably a, a day two pick, I would assume, and then... They go on their way and they don't have to depend on a compensatory pick that may or may not come to them in 2024. Just think it would be a a pretty savvy play by the Raiders there. You know, the old sell high that uh, people do from time to time. It's, um, It's one of those things that I think they should consider. But if they wind up becoming three and four by the end of this weekend, then I think it probably changes the conversation for them to where they're thinking about playoffs a bit more. But Jacobs, to me, is a fascinating fit. And I think it's one of those 
big swings that I was talking about. Uh, I'm just imagining him going up against a light uh, box because teams are, you know, frightened of what Josh Allen and the passing offense will be able to do to them. And then Jacob's just getting chunk play, um, you know, well-timed chunk play after well-timed chunk play to where, you know, by the end of the game, he could have, you know, maybe 13 to 17 carries and just a boatload of yards because of how capable he is at maximizing his run, his runs. I mean, he has been electric this season. So that's why, to me, he's he's the one that stands out. I don't know that I would necessarily go for anything else besides him or or Barkley. And Jacobs does fit from a financial perspective, too, because he's on the final year of his rookie deal, and the cap hit is going to be under $2 million for them. So he could fit under their cap parameters as it stands today, which is another check. So what could he be had for? Maybe a day two pick, something like that. Um, he's, to me, that he is, to me, the, the guy that if you, you should keep an eye on the Raiders, if they wind up losing... I think he's someone that the Bills should be interested in um, if they are indeed intent on improving their running back position, which it seems like that they are a little bit. So keep an eye out on that one. The other running back names that, you know, I mentioned in the article, I'm not, I don't really know that the Bills would. I wouldn't rule it out, but I don't know that they would. The two the two names that kind of stand out are, are Kareem Hunt of the Browns, but anytime you bring up Kareem Hunt, you have to bring up what happened in, in 2018 when he was caught on video um, shoving and kicking a woman, which obviously inexcusable behavior. And the Bills have not invested resources into someone with a history of domestic violence, a prior domestic violence that they knew about. That's just not how they have operated in the past. So I have my wondering about whether or not that that would actually happen, even though the Browns might be shopping him. It could be had for a lesser cost than a Josh Jacobs. And he's a better receiving back than, than Josh Jacobs. I just... I'm not sure that it's an exact fit um, for for uh, bigger reasons than football, but I guess we'll see. I, we have to know whether or not they're they're comfortable with it, and we we don't have that answer. The other name I would I would I brought up was Antonio Gibson from the Washington Commanders. Again, that kind of feels closer to the Cam Akers tier than it does you know the Josh Jacobs tier. It's just he's kind of fallen out of favor within his own system. He had every opportunity to win that starting job, and it just hasn't happened. It's also dealing with the commanders, which, you know, Brandon Bean probably isn't really crazy about giving them a uh, a call and giving them a draft pick for a player, especially when they got burned uh, by them this offseason over the whole J.D. McKissick thing. So, yeah, that's why I'm on the fence. So I, I, I wind up coming down to, on running back, it's either... Jacobs, Barkley maybe, but I, I doubt they deal him, or just go with what you have and then invest elsewhere. But I do think that they should go after an 
a potential weapon for their offense. Not to say that they're lacking something, but it would just give them this overwhelming sense of like, oh my goodness, they added this guy too. It was the same thing that happened with the Rams last year. They Like they already had Aaron Donald. They already had uh, Leonard Floyd along their defensive line. They already had all these other pieces uh, along that defensive line that made them a really good unit. And then they add Von Miller and then they're just, they're great <laughs> through, through the rest of the season for the most part. Definitely one of the biggest reasons that they won it all last year. So I just wonder if maybe this is an opportunity for the Bills to where if they have this fascinating offense already, if they add that one more piece, maybe even two more pieces, it's just a a straight rocket all the way up. Like I said, most years I'm not really crazy about going overboard on the trade market, but this year is an exception. It is very obvious to me that this Bills team has a lot of things going for them in a way that I haven't seen from them before. So to me, I I would like to see them, uh, you know, at least invest. I think this is, it's one of those rare years where you can give yourself a pass. Like, okay, you are very close. Might as well see what you could get in terms of maybe a, Someone who had star potential that might have fallen a bit. And that brings me to receiver because, you know, the Bills have two really good start. They have a great starter and a really good starter in Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis. Past them, we have some questions. Isaiah McKenzie, a bit inconsistent after a really strong summer. We've seen now two players dip into his snaps a little bit. Jamison Crowder did uh, before he was injured and had to go on IR. And then the rookie Khalil Shakir in the second half against the Chiefs was only, not near even, but it was a 13-8 to split down the stretch between McKenzie and Shakir, which goes to show that this job is not McKenzie's all the way through. And you you do wonder if maybe wide receiver is a spot that they that they look to add via trade. Because I do think there's at least a couple of compelling names out there. And the one that I've kind of centered on, and I think if they were to go the wide receiver route rather than the running back route, I am really fascinated by the fit of Jerry Judy in the Bills offense. Think about what the Bills need. They need slot receiver that can also play the boundary from time to time. They value separators above all else. And Jerry Judy uh, in 2021 was one of the best separators in the league. They value explosiveness and yards after catch which is one of the main reasons why Isaiah McKenzie was their primary slot receiver this year. And Judy has that like crazy. What he doesn't have right now is consistency. And it could be an opportunity for the Bills or whatever other team to go to the Broncos who 
are just a complete mess right now. Russell Wilson's out. There's already talk of Nate Hackett getting fired, uh, potentially, which would be something um, in his first year. Their record is way below what they thought it would be. They're, they've suffered multiple injuries. The offense looks stagnant, not nearly the, the type of explosive potential that they had coming into the year. And it's gotten to the point where they're a bit down in the standings. They're 2-5 and five on the season. If they wind up, let's see, I believe they play this week. Yeah, they don't have a bye. Um, if they wind up losing again, if they wind up losing to the Jaguars, that could be the total signal. Like, all right, enough's enough. Let's let's see what assets we can get here. And Judy, to me, is one of those fascinating, like, okay, if you put him on a legit offense, what is that guy? And, you know, going back and remembering watching him and his college stuff, you just see this bottle rocket whenever he gets the ball in his hands and he's able to get upfield a little bit. He's got the speed to get wherever he needs to go. The separation and the way that he, uh, how he can bend his ankles to, uh, to make a, a cut look like it's something else and then, and then getting to where he needs to go. Like these are all things that I think could be a big hit within the Bills offense with a competent quarterback. That is one thing that Jerry Judy has never had. He has never had a competent quarterback. And what we've seen from Russell Wilson before his injury was not competent quarterbacking. It was very below average quarterbacking. So what could he be? He is a potential blue chip prospect or not potential blue chip prospect. He was a blue chip prospect, first rounder. And if you could get him at a at a lesser cost than that, which probably could based on the inconsistency that that uh, you've seen and the Broncos wanting to, you know, basically sending away their entire draft to get Russell Wilson is a way to kind of replenish themselves to where they can salvage this at least a little bit for if they bring in a new coach. So Judy, if you could get him for, say, a day two pick and a day three pick, I would probably do that if it's me. Just because I know the talent and I know it hasn't been perfect for him, but these are the opportunities to exploit. He's a very young guy. He still has two years left on his deal. Signed through the 2000. Uh, 23 season. The cost control of the contract is is great. You would just be uh, acquiring his base salaries, which is the the prorated of his 1.99 million, the 10 games remaining on that this year, and then the 2.68 million next year. So cost effective. And then you have this three-headed monster at receiver for the next two seasons. Between Diggs, Davis, and Judy. I personally I think that's that's worth it to me. And you know, you could sit there and go, okay, well, what what might you be missing out on 
with a second round pick? Are you going to be, you know, I guess spoiling the maturation process of Khalil Shakir? That is one consideration. But if it's a two-year deal and Shakir is basically in the the Gabe Davis mold, we'll say right now, Gabe Davis did not get to the starting level until his third season. So conceivably, you trade for Judy. Let's say you give up a late second round pick, which is what it's looking like this year, and then a day three pick in the future. And you have this, no doubt about it, first round caliber player that was drafted 15th overall a couple years ago that just really feels like he needs a good quarterback to to be able to maximize. Is he going to be a star? Probably not. But can he be the occasional game breaker that gives this Bills offense some speed that, you know, they have in McKenzie, but in not the same package of a 6'1", 190-pound receiver in, in Judy? I don't know. To me, that's one of those names where I think it's worth it to take the shot. Especially because the cost control. The Broncos are just not, they're not going to get a first round pick for for Jerry Judy. But if you can make it worth their time with a late second and a day three pick, I think it could happen. And I think personally, I, I would do that. Because I, I would just, that, that, uh, that Bill's passing offense would just be it would be something else with, with those three guys for the next two years. It would uh, be very, very hard to defend for, for everyone out there. The other the other idea is like Hunter Renfro is someone that I kind of kicked around, but his salary next year, he's got a guaranteed like $11 million uh, owed to him. So you need to figure that out. Probably not worth the hassle to me. Um, and then if the fail safe is Odell Beckham Jr. If you aren't able to strike or let's say they trade for a running back and they don't want to trade another asset for another receiver. Maybe that's the time you kind of ramp up um, your courting of Odell Beckham and try and work him in as one of your top five receivers, probably one of your top three or top four guys uh, once the playoffs come around. But those are just some things I'm, I'm kicking around for them. The other two positions are not like flashy things. So I'll kind of go through them quick, but like offensive line, I think their depth could become an issue. Um, Like I've stated numerous times here, whether or not Spencer Brown can play, we'll have to find out. Uh, But he is to me, one of those, one of those pivotal players, because that would push David Quesenberry into the lineup. And I don't really think Quesenberry is a great replacement. Um, if they suffer any injuries to the interior, it's Greg Van Roten going into the lineup. And I think he has been one of their worst starters, if not their worst starter this year, when when given time on the field. And knowing the how volatile offensive line play can be, guys getting rolled up on all the time, like... All you need is to have your leg in a weird position on one play and for something to happen that you didn't foresee happen and then that guy is done for the year. You need to have 
more solid depth along the offensive line than what they currently have. So if they could swing a trade for a late round tackle, or I'm sorry, a a tackle for a late round pick, or someone with more center experience with a late round pick, one guy that kind of stood out to me based on that little, um, that article I talked about with our, uh, our writers all over the league, Matt Hennessy, who is a, a backup center for the Falcons. He was drafted in the third round in 2020, started a bunch of games at center over the last couple of years. He's now on the bench this season. Could probably get him for a pretty cheap cost, and you've got him under contract for the next couple of seasons. Super athletic guy. Went to the same high school as Tommy Sweeney, which was a fun fact that I figured out. Uh, Don Bosco Prep in New Jersey. Probably know each other. I, I would assume that they do. But uh, but yeah, Hennessy is someone that could be alluring. Has that uh, he has some guard experience, mostly a center. Just think they they need more than than what they've had um, so far this season. And maybe they're depending on Ike Butker uh, to come back and fill that role. And move, you know, Van Roten into the inactive spot, but he's still coming off a ruptured Achilles, and that's a really tough thing to depend on, especially when the offensive line is starting to play better as of late. You just don't want to be caught. Um, you don't want to be caught in a tough spot where you, because you neglected your depth, and I think this would be an opportunity to add to that. Um, with late round pick, maybe you flip a sixth rounder and get a seventh rounder back to get a player. We just saw that with the Raiders today where they traded Jonathan Hankins to the Cowboys. They get a seventh round or they get a sixth round pick and give a seventh round back. Those types of deals are very commonplace. Maybe you give up a conditional seventh for, uh, for someone that, I don't know, that would just give you a little bit more than what you have. So that. That offensive line, I think, should firmly be on the radar for deadline day. And then the last one, I think, is fairly obvious, safety. Just because they have not brought on a fourth safety to their roster. They've gone about their business with Jordan Poyer, with DeMar Hamlin as their two starters, Jaquan Johnson as their primary reserve, and then a break in cl- break glass in case of emergency guy in Cam Lewis, who they just started Um to cross-train at safety in August, in like mid-August. The first time I saw them do it was, I believe, in the second preseason game. It wasn't even in practice. So, needless to say, they could use a little something. And I would tend to think they would want to invest in a free safety, a backup free safety. I think the... They've kind of gone about their business with DeMar Hamlin being that starting free safety. Jordan Poyer more in that strong safety role. And Jaquan Johnson has played that strong safety role more often than not. So there are some names out there that have started or given some given some good special teams time and that have played at free safety in the past. I think the one that intrigues me the most is probably Detroit's uh, starting free safety right now, Deshaun Elliott. He is obviously on a team that is struggling, and they have uh, they're entering week eight with a one and five record. They're at home against the Dolphins. 
probably going to to be a loss, but weirder things have happened. Either way, maximum they're going to be two and five on the season. They know it's it's probably not their year. So if they could get just something for a player that you know is on an expiring deal, very low cost deal. The thing I like about Deshaun Elliott taking a ton of snaps at free safety, started a bunch of games for the, for the Ravens in 2020 and 2021, started 22 games, I believe, in the regular season, those two seasons, um, has playoff experience. I think he would fit in nicely as a backup option to Hamlin. Or if Hamlin starts to struggle, then, uh, then maybe they think about putting him into the starting lineup, but either way, they they bring in a, a player that um, has the experience, can give you special teams reps and everything like that. So that would be, I guess, my top safety pick just because of the starting experience element. But I think uh, you can't bring up the safety position, position and not bring up potentially you're bringing back a guy like Dean Marlowe, who's right now on the Falcons roster. When Micah Hyde had to miss the occasional game when Marlowe was still around, it was Marlowe getting the start at his free safety spot. So they see him as a free safety. He has long been in McDermott's system. You know you're getting a special teams player out of him. And you could probably get him for maybe a conditional seventh. I think that should be something that um, the Bills consider. You know, They love familiar faces around here. They... They uh, they brought back Eli Anku. They brought back Justin Zimmer because they believed in them. You know they brought back Shaq Lawson. They brought back Short Jordan Phillips. All of these familiar names that have had success in their scheme before. They just didn't have a spot for Marlowe previously, but now that they do, I could definitely see a reunion of sorts uh, if if they wanted to give up like a conditional seventh or something for him. You know, the, the Falcons have to play ball, of course, but I can't see them being really hung up about keeping a 30-year-old backup free safety who is just a special teams guy in, in a season where they'll be, they're three and four at the current moment. So these are just some ideas to kick around the brain. Those are the four positions that I'm really looking at the hardest. You know, I, I think they're pretty strong elsewhere. They're getting healthier at cornerback. Uh, tight end, I think they feel fine there. The the linebacker room, I think they feel okay. Same thing with their defensive line. I think they, they feel like they're in a good spot. So those four spots, running back, wide receiver, depth offensive line, and depth safety. I think those are the four spots to keep an eye on as, as we march forward to the, to the deadline. So we got about a week, and... We'll see whether or not that they actually do something. I think they should. I really do. I think this is a this is a great opportunity for them to to try and put something together here. But um, I guess we'll see what uh, what Brandon Bean has up his sleeve. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. We will be back later this week to uh, preview the Bills and Packers game, uh, and then of course we'll have the post game pod on Sunday. Well, not Sunday. It's a Sunday night game, so. Uh, I'll be recording it at some point in the wee hours of Monday morning or the early Monday portion, but you'll you'll have it at some point on Monday uh, because should be another good one. The Packers are struggling right now. 
Aaron Rodgers is uh, talking up a storm about what should and shouldn't happen about the Packers. They're big time underdogs. Oh, it's it's uh it's gonna be gonna be a wild game, I think, um, because maybe the pack, Packers are trying to pep themselves up in different ways. Still got to watch the film on them, so I'll be very curious to see what what happened to them this this previous week to bring them down to three and four. All right, so the next time we will talk will be on Friday, but until then, thanks for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Piscalia, and we will talk to you later in the week. See you then.